this podcast is late. Not only has it been published late, but it was also meant to have been published last week, uh, but it was bumped because of the UK referendum. It became important to publish something else about the UK referendum, which is why this podcast is bumped. Having got those two thinly veiled apologies out of the way, the other thing that you need to know is that in this podcast there is material that I recorded during a trip to Budapest where I saw my first ever Wagner opera. You'll also hear an interview with the director of that production and you'll also hear a rather helpful synopsis from the soprano Anna Russell that was recorded way back in 1953. I've gone all international. I've gone gone on an expedition to Hungary for this particular podcast. Um, uh, I've been invited to come to Hungary, uh, to Budapest, to... Oh, here's my taxi. been invited to come here um, uh, to see some opera I'm going to see some Wagner uh, I've never seen a Wagner opera before uh, and it appears that I've come here with um, a whole load thank you uh, a whole load of uh, British men on a stag do um, they're very boisterous I don't, I don't think we'll be seeing them at the opera really It's very hot, isn't it? Very, very hot. In the 30s? Yes. Oh, is it normally like this? The, this weekend we, we will be hot. Oh. 32, 33 Celsius. Is it normally like that? Uh, in the summertime. Right. Oh. as a result of an invitation, an unexpected and delightful invitation um, from from Mupa in uh, Budapest. Um, it's not a very nice sounding acronym, is it? Uh, unfortunately, the, I can't pronounce the, the actual... I can't really... No, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. It's basically sort of... Um, I think it might be the Palace of the Arts... Uh, and it's a new building on the banks of the um, of the Danube, uh, a few stops away from central central Budapest on the on the tram, and it's sort of a bit like the South Bank, but modern. I mean, really modern and 
so much wood inside and just lovely just a lovely lovely building really uh, dramatic angles sharp lines gorgeous fonts uh, and and in the evening when you come out of the concert hall and you look over the Danube the view from from uh, from the concert hall looking over the Danube through these really massive windows uh, is stunning absolutely stunning I went to the concert hall, the Bella Bartok concert hall, this evening for the first of two Wagner operas. I've never seen a Wagner opera, and the reason I've never seen a Wagner opera is because I am terrified of Wagner. Um, I know some music by Wagner, I've played some music by Wagner, but they're usually overtures or preludes. Um, and But I don't know the operas at all. And... And that kind of interested me because it made me think, what is it that I fear about Wagner? Given that I love classical music, but what is it about Wagner that makes me sort of nervous and reluctant to, to go along and see it? And if I can uncover for myself what it is that I fear about Wagner, maybe I'll get an insight into what other people fear about classical music. Well, not fear, not like like they're about to be stabbed or something, not fear like they're about to be chased after by wild, rabid dogs, but more like, yeah, I don't really think that's for me, so I won't go. That's, that's really what it is with me and Wagner, so maybe, when I found the answer to that, maybe that will give an insight as to what makes people think oh yeah classical music's not really for me I won't go to that hello um, I'm, I have some ticket I have a ticket in my name um, John Jacob reserved for me oh what a lovely brochure lovely lovely brochure lovely sign of a good venue is a nicely printed brochure that smells very nice oh I seem to be in the middle of the road it's nice hello I'm sorry I'm sorry excuse me I'm late I'm sorry thanks thank you very much thank you no I think you're fine you stay there nine ten I'm next to you (laughs) Ended up sitting next to what I thought was a lovely lady, really. I brought you some water in that in case I start to pop. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. That's no. very good planning. Very good planning on your part. I was disappointed you didn't come to an opera house. This is quite grand, though. Is it? <laughs> I think it's my first time here. I've not. Yeah, I've not been here I'm, before. I'm oh, really? We're from Ireland. You're you're from Ireland? Yes, we all love music. Right, okay. And love Wagner. What is it that you love about Wagner? I love all the past band while of the noise. <laughs> I, I didn't realise. Really? I oh, yeah. I this is the first Wagner opera I've ever uh, seen or heard. Tonight, it's only three hours. We're going to six I, hours tomorrow. So Valkyrie is six hours. Is that is that what you're... Yeah. You're really... I'm oh. hoping we we're going to two six-hour ones. Right. And there's... Am I right in thinking there's no break? Yes. An hour and then 40 minutes. 
What the hell is that? There's no break here tonight. There's no way here tonight. There's no break. Oh, I see. There's, well, yeah. <laughs> she seemed very lovely as I passed her. She sort of scrunched her knees up. She was an elderly lady. She scrunched her knees up uh, as I passed her. I went, oh, I'm terribly sorry, terribly sorry. Hello, hello. Uh, and I sat down and, um, and she started talking at me. She was slightly crazed. She's lovely, but after about three or four minutes, I just thought, actually, I want you to, to stop talking now. I wanted to stop talking because I'm a bit tired, a bit tetchy, and you're going on, aren't you? So, uh, could you just stop? And and the thing was that she didn't stop until the music started, and the next thing I knew, she she dropped off. She'd fallen asleep. <laughs> and at the end of the opera, three hours later. She suddenly woke up and started clapping really loudly and going, oh, weren't they wonderful? Re really? Did you, did you notice how good they were? I thought you were asleep. I didn't say that. I wish I had. It could have been quite entertaining. Now that the opera season is with us again, I feel it would be appropriate for me to give a talk on Wagner's Ring der Nibelungen. Now, I know that analyses of the ring are frequently given over the radio by some great expert for the edification of other great experts. <laughs> but these are usually so esoteric as to leave the average person as befogged as before. <laughs> and, in fact, I think tends to discourage him from going altogether. So I would like to tell you about it as from the point of view of one average opera-goer to another. Now, the first thing is that every person and event in the ring cycle has what is grandly termed a leitmotif. Now, you don't need to worry about that. It merely means a signature tune. <laughs> The scene opens in the River Rhine. In it. <laughs> if it were in New York, it would be like the Hudson. <laughs> and swimming around there are the three Rhine maidens, a sort of aquatic Andrew sister. <laughs> Or sometimes they're called Nixies. <laughs> Mersey Nixon, Dozy Nixon, Little Nixie Divey. <laughs> and sing their signature tune, which is as follows.
full transparency here, I had read the synopsis on Wikipedia. I got to the end of the synopsis on Wikipedia for Das Rheingold and thought, I wish I hadn't read that, because that was quite complicated and I don't really understand what's going on. But I sort of got some sort of got some bullet points from it uh, and then I read an Opera House article like a summary a one paragraph summary uh, which is very good that sort of c- cemented what I'd read on Wikipedia uh, and that was all I had time for and, and actually that was all I wanted to do and it was useful enough for me, for me to latch on to the four different scenes that, were, that make up Das Rheingold um, which I played from beginning to end with no break in the music, apart from one moment when the performer, when the, when the, when the character slams his fist on the stage uh, and then there's silence. And that, that actually, the fourth, I think it's the fourth scene, that is a remarkable moment when you have heard music for two and a half hours and then suddenly there's no music. <laughs> it's like, oh, is, that, is somebody... Somebody forgotten. Somebody forgot to play. Yeah, the visuals are really striking. The the stripped backness of it was really seemingly sort of seemed to work because it focused my attention on the performers. Some quite remarkable voices. Um, uh, I was amazed about how actually I'd always known about uh, this thing about light motif and how Wagner used uh, light motifs to introduce different characters or different. Um, different ideas that uh, that emerged during the plot of an opera. I'd always read about that, but obviously not having experience of Wagner opera from beginning to end. I'd never really seen it in action, as it were. Uh, and when I started to notice the light motifs being played, um, uh, I thought, "Oh my God, that's oh yeah, I see what you mean." It was also nowhere near as intense musically as I thought it was going to be, I was expecting the music to be really, really extreme romanticism like Schoenberg before he went all 12-tone. But it wasn't. It was actually sort of... I could hear bits of Schubert. I could hear bits of late Mozart. You know, by which I mean if you were to just sort of take a clip. uh, And unfortunately, I can't tell you what it is because it's such a long opera that or this particular... Uh, the first one was wait until we get on to the second one um i i have no idea where that where that clip of music is because it's just it's just a wall of sound just a sea of sound but i could hear schubert i could hear late mozart um i'm i'm fairly certain i could hear a bit of brahms as well uh and 
and I was kind of surprised by that because I thought, well, actually, it's nowhere near. I mean, it's a rich sound. It is absolutely a rich sound, but it's not. It's not alienating. It's not spiky. It's not objectionable romanticism. <laughs> Whatever objectionable romanticism is, I've just made up that term. That isn't an official term. That isn't something I studied. You will find no books about it. surprised about there's a um, there's a scene featuring the dwarfs of Niblingum I think that's how you uh, pronounce it I'm not going to say it again uh, and and it's sort of a percussive thing with anvils seemingly hundreds of anvils made an absolute racket with a really distinct rhythm in the hall, just terrifying. And this was mixed with visuals uh, on the screen, um, live dancers and video, video footage um, of other dancers sort of seemingly crawling up a wall and then falling down again. Um, and it was all quite, it was really striking and really memorable and you know it's another thing it's another thing that I've experienced where visuals have been deployed really sensitively and with sophistication and um, you know inspired by the music and and complementing and supporting the music Okay, I'm Hartmut Schirkhofer I'm now a professor of uh, set design in Graz and I did uh, the set design for the ring production and also the directing. Right. But it was ten years ago when I did it, it's the first time here. It's the first time here. So tell us about where we are today. We are today in Mupa, in the Palace of Arts. Uh, it's a concert hall with a very, very, very 
Bual Acoustic. This makes it very special, this place. And uh, the conductor, Adam Fischer, and other guys uh, founded the Wagner Tage. And we are doing productions here in a concert hall, like operas, not like concerts. At first we started with semi-stage, but we're getting more and more deeper to do operas here. This is this is semi-stage, though, isn't it? What we've seen yeah, what today, you, would you call it semi-stage? I'm not sure is it semi-stage or not. You know, what is pregnant? Can you be half pregnant or pregnant? <laughs> or what is this? Okay. Tell me. Okay, well, no, you're the director. I was hoping you could tell me, but obviously <laughs> you're not going to be drawn on that, are you? No, I think it's... Of course, they, um, what, is, what is different to other places is that... Uh, There are very good singers. They come here for a short period, not for very long. They jump in a production and bring a lot of their experiences. And uh, they make them, they fill it up here with their power and their experiences. And this made it really special. It's a a child of mine, this production. So I'm really... uh, Adam Fischer asked me to think about if it's possible to do in this format a ring production, and I said, yes, we will do. He, he asked me if the first time he wants to work with puppets or something else, and I thought it's a too, too huge space to work with puppets or uh, he just with... Do, he wanted to do the ring with puppets. Yes, he, right. he starts with, uh, to do the puppets... Uh, uh, especially for the Rheingold he asked me to, to uh, find some puppets because you know it's always different to have giants and all these things and, uh, but I figured out it's, maybe it's not the best idea so we, we found something else so we created it 10 years ago here this production oh, okay. yeah? right. we created it here and so it's what you see is 10 years old and I think it's still fresh uh, because 10 years old that means means a lot I hadn't appreciated that at all no I hadn't realised that this had already been done 10 years ago it no? seems very modern yeah, the design it, seems it, very it was, very modern it, uh, and 10 years ago it was uh, 10 years ago it was uh, it was a nightmare of course because to work with HD projection and all this nobody has experiences for this what we did and this 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 wall with uh, with getting transparent and and all these things I, I sold this this material in a very expensive hotel in Switzerland I was like wow that's cool it can be cool <laughs> this it's still now expensive of course but you know when you play for 10 years or longer it's what's the problem with it and we have just one setting for four evenings so you have to to put some money and I'm not interested in in old-fashioned boring set designs that's not me what means boring maybe if it's well done traditional traditional. but if it's well done I I like it also it's not but not on this place this place needs a a, a special atmosphere and, and not a normal set design The Rhine Maidens are looking after a lump of magic gold. And the magic of this gold consists of the fact that anybody who will renounce love and make a ring out of this gold will become master of the universe. This is the gimmick.
the river as it might be, let's say, the Holland Tunnel, <laughs> comes a little dwarf called Alberic. And here he is. Ghastly glitter, glittering a glimmer, be like yourselves. Well, you can see he's excessively unattractive. <laughs> he makes a pass at the Rhine Maiden, who think he's perfectly dreadful, and so they're not very nice to him. They tell him. So he thinks, well, I'm not going to get any love anyhow, I can see that. So I may as well renounce it and take this lump of gold, make the ring and become master of the universe. So he takes back the Holland Tunnel with him. And here he is, making the ring. No steel strikes here. Well, now, up here, as it might be on top of the Empire State Building, you find Wotan, the head god. And he's a crashing boar, too. <laughs> well, he and his wife, Mrs. Frika Wotan... <laughs> have had a castle built for them called Valhalla. <laughs> By a couple of giants called Fasolt and Fafner. <laughs> well, of course, the giants want to be paid for building this castle, and part of the giants' builders' union scale consists of this magic ring that Alberic's made. So Wotan goes all the way down from where he is to uh, Alberic and takes the ring away from him. Well, of course, Alberic is simply furious. <laughs> so he puts a terrible curse on the ring. curse, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry, here. Yeah. But Wotan takes no notice. He takes the ring up and gives it to Fasolt. And right away, Fafner kills Fasolt <laughs> to get the ring for himself. So Wotan knows that the curse is working. <laughs> and this worries him, so he goes down to ground level to consult an old fortune teller friend of his called My Friend Erda. <laughs> There is uh, 
I don't know if it's right to call it an aria, but there is a... There, all right, we'll just call it a number. Let's just call it a number between you and me. Don't let anybody else I called it that. Uh, but there is a number towards the end sung by a character. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't really know what the hell was going on. Because um, uh, it was all sung in German. There were no English surtitles. Okay, there were, there were no, there were no signposts, uh, so I had to just go on the music, and so the character is singing to uh, the the lead character, who's Wotan, um, and she was singing behind a screen, but behind a transparent screen, and she was surrounded by um, ballet dancers, uh, and what she was singing was ravishing, absolutely ravishing, and. And I can't remember what she was singing. I can't remember the melody. I just remember being completely overwhelmed with this feeling of... Because at that point, two hours, 45 minutes in with only one break when the character slams his fist on the stage, there had been, I realised, just a very, very slow build-up of tension. And, and it's relentless. And it's not like you know that there's a slow build-up of tension. It's just that it's like a, it's like a thunderstorm approaching. And in fact... There is a thunderstorm shortly after that moment. <laughs> but it's like the entire opera is one long, slow, approaching thunderstorm. And it's getting more and more humid and more and more uncomfortable. And then finally, there is this, this moment where there is a release. And, and the release is just... Oh, my God. And, and it's, not, it's not a... It's not a musical moment. It's not like, oh, hooray, we've got a tune, or, oh, God, listen to that chord. It's, it's, it's more like, actually, you've suddenly changed the mood. You've suddenly shifted it somewhere, and I didn't realise that you were going to do that, and you've done it, and thank God you've done that. Could you just hurry it up next time? And what was interesting was that for two hours, 45 minutes, because I was so goddamn tired... There were moments when I just thought, oh, I'll just close my eyes, and then realised that I had to... I sort of jolted myself awake. Because um, I was sitting next to another critic, and I'd got my notebook out, <laughs> writing notes. And I was thinking, oh, no, I can't. I, do, I don't want anybody to see that I'm falling asleep. That would be bad. They'll never invite me back. So I'd, I'd been sort of... I'd been dropping off, because I was so tired. 
and then we get to this moment of release uh, and then there's an even bigger release and then there is this thunderstorm and then there's a rainbow I mean I'm, the way I describe it it sounds really really naff uh, but there was a rainbow uh, and then there was an even bigger release and I suddenly realised that I wasn't tired anymore it was quite remarkable quite quite remarkable that I'd gone in there tired and when we'd finished three hours later it's like I'd had a really good night's sleep Listening to a thoroughly good podcast produced by me, John Jacob. Get in contact by tweeting me at thoroughly good or send me an email to thoroughlygood at gmail.com.